Thanks for joining us for a message from Reason Church in Portland, Oregon. We'd be so stoked to hear how this message has impacted your life. You can share your story by going on our website at reasonchurch.com. You can also partner with us financially by going on reasonchurch.com and giving on our Give page. You will be helping people find a reason to live for in Jesus. I just am so pumped to be continuing in the voice control series. And uh, the message that we have today really fits in well with Mother's Day. And um, the voice control series, if you are a guest and you're maybe like joining us for the first time, maybe your mom dragged you along. That was the Mother's Day gift. I was like, fine, I'll go to church. I'll do it. Fine, mom. You know, and you're going with her today. Uh, we've been in this series called Voice Control. And uh, all technology is heading towards voice control. But I've kind of discovered with my life, at least, sometimes my voice is out of control. Like we want to control things with our voices, but sometimes it's our voice that's out of control. We've basically been saying this concept that words matter. Would everybody say that with me? Words matter. And that uh, the words you say about yourself and think about yourself can affect you. The words you say about others, they can have a detrimental effect. And um, you really have the choice whether to use your words to heal or to harm to wound or to mend, that you can use your words like a sword, like a machete, or you can use your, swords like, your words like medicine. And uh, so that's what we've been talking about. And today, I'm giving a message I'm calling Heart of Gold, Heart of Gold. And uh, maybe some of the moms here are like fangirls from Neil Young. Back in the day, little Neil Young, keep on searching for that heart of gold. But would you look with me? In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, and I do want to say, you know, if you are a guest, maybe you're like, you don't, you don't know if you believe the Bible, I want you to know you've come to the right place, because our church exists to be a place where you can investigate Christianity. Churches that stifle questions create skeptics, and so we welcome questions, but I would propose this to you, maybe if you're not even sure where you stand, I just want you to maybe lay those obje- objections aside and think, how different would your world be if you lived out these truths? How different would uh, your job be, your environment be, your family be if you lived out, if you took these words of Jesus seriously? So look with me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 43. We'll put it on the screen for you as well. Jesus says, A good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. He gives a very simple metaphor. Men don't gather figs from thorns, Nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. That's like kind of a spiky weed. He said, a good man out of the good treasure, everybody say treasure, of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure, everybody say treasure, of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, I read a study from the University of California talking about words, and it showed that men, on average, in a day, speak about 7,000 words, okay? It's men, University of California. An average day, men speak 7,000 words. Women, on the other hand, speak 20,000 words on average. And, uh, you know, that kind of explains a lot of dynamics in my marriage. I come home and just like, why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you saying anything to me? It's like, I hit my quota. I I already reached it. I hit the quota for the day. You have twice as many as I do, yeah? But, but, uh... If you were to look at the words that you speak, it might be interesting to kind of examine that. And uh, I want to take a moment and, uh, and even honor my wife. My wife, uh, she's sitting in the front row with my mother-in-law as well. Happy Mother's Day to you both. Uh, but my wife, I want to honor her for a second. In addition to leading worship here, she's also an amazing wife. 
a fantastic mother to our little boy. But she just has that crazy work ethic. And so on top of all that, she's got a little side game going on where she does uh, transcription. Her mom was a medical transcriptionist, but she does like captioning for videos. She's got those furious fingers. Her words per minute could put any of you to shame. She's a transcriptionist, and uh, hopefully the robots don't take her job. They probably will. That's where everything's going. I'll have a computer program for that soon. But she transcribes, you know, speeches or videos or uh, medical stuff or really anything. And uh, I want to ask you this question. What would it be like if you saw a transcript of every word you ever spoke? What would that show about you? What would that reveal about you? Because what Jesus is telling us is that the words that we speak, people say talk is cheap, but that nothing could be further from the truth. Your words reveal who you really are. Words you've said in private, words you've said behind closed doors, your words reveal who you are. What comes out of your mouth most effortlessly? What comes out most easily? Where does your words go to most quickly. You know, they talk about a guam. That's gross words per minute. But I think some of us have some gross words per minute. You know what I'm talking about? I think some of us are kind of in that spot. And if you saw a transcript of everything you ever said, there'd be some spots you'd maybe want redacted. I know there would be for me. And you'd want, ooh, let's black that out. I don't want people seeing that on the transcript. But Jesus is telling us this, that if you got the mouth like a sailor... It's because you've got a heart like a pirate. If you've got a mouth like a sailor, it's because you've got a heart like a pirate. You've got some bad treasure. And what you say, what your tongue does, truly communicates what you treasure. We'll put the verse back on the screen for you one more time. He says that a good man, out of the good treasure that's in his heart, brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure that is in his heart brings forth evil. Word there for treasure, it's where we get the word thesaurus from in the Greek. It's the same place that we actually get the word treasure from. It's the word thesariso. And it actually means security. It has to do with worth. It has to do with value. It has to do with significance. And what Jesus is telling you is that your words indicate what you ascribe worth to. Worth. It shows what you believe to be valuable. What is your source of security in life? What's your source of significance in life? What's your source of value in life? What's worth talking about? If you had that transcript, you'd see what you think is worth talking about. It'd show up again and again. If you did the control F or command F on the Mac, You know, you could do the word search of how many hits there'd be of certain topics. It'd show what you believe is worth living for. But I want to ask you this. What treasure can you bury in your heart? What treasure, you know, obviously the heart's cardiovascular system, but you get the idea. What treasure can you take into your life that will protect you instead of you having to protect it? What treasure is so good that if you take it into your life, it will make it so even on the bad days, you have something good to say? What treasure can come into your world that even when people are picking at your insecurities, you're still secure? 
What treasure can you bring into your existence that will make it so that when people speak evil of you, you can still speak good of them? What treasure can you bring into your soul? What source of worth, source of security, source of fulfillment, source of significance, source of value can you bring inside of you so that even on the hard days, you have some good words to spare? What is it? What will make you like Multnomah Falls, where you got 50,000 gallons of water pouring out per minute, even during the dry season. I want you to examine what your treasure is, what your worth is, what makes life worth living. Our first thought is this. If you want to tame your tongue, you have to change your treasure. If you want to tame your tongue, you have to change your treasure. Your word problem, my word problem, is actually a worship problem. Your word problem is actually a worship problem. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know, I don't worship anything. I'm not, I'm not, or I do worship God. Or maybe you don't worship God. Or maybe you don't even, you're like, I'm not a religious person. I don't worship anything. Yes, you do. Everybody worships. Because there's something you're ascribing worth to. And there's something you're deriving worth from. That's what worship is. You're giving worth to something, and that then gives you a sense of self-worth. Where do you find your worth? Jesus' metaphor is so simple about the agriculture and the fruit trees, and you're like, I don't know, man. Maybe in Oregon it's kind of cool. You know, there's some orchards. You're like, I get it. I get it, Jesus. His whole point is this, that if your sense of worth, your sense of security, your sense of meaning in life is in him, your roots are in God's love, your fruits will be God's love. That if your roots are in God, if your worth is in God's love, your words will be God's love. But that if your words are hateful and your words are vengeful and your words are condescending and your words are deceitful and your words are gossipy and your words are complaining and your words are begrudging and your words have the backspin on them and your words shame people and your words say bad things about yourself, that gives evidence, if that's the whole transcript of your life, That really your treasure was evil. You were treasuring the wrong things. And and this becomes so clear because um, it it just just becomes so obvious, especially when you consider the context of this, is that essentially what happens is when you put treasure, when you turn good things into ultimate things, they become bad things. When you take a good thing, could be anything. could be your career. could be that boyfriend, that girlfriend. It could be people's respect. It could be sex. It could be uh, money. It could be adoration, admiration, fame, anything in life. Uh, and it could be an actual item. It could not be an item. It could be something more abstract, you know, just like uh, uh, that, that you want people's respect. could be anything. When you take that good thing and you make it an ultimate thing, here's the deal. When you have the wrong treasure, it's vulnerable. And it's something that can be stolen. And so you have to turn your tongue into a sword. You turn into a buccaneer because you've got to protect your booty. Because anybody who threatens your treasure becomes a threat you have to cut down with your tongue. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you have the wrong treasure, that treasure makes you vulnerable. That treasure makes you in constant jeopardy. Where you have to use your tongue like a sword to try to acquire that treasure. Or you have to use your tongue like a sword to, to protect that treasure. And that's precisely what was happening in Matthew's gospel. 
See, just like any good stand-up comedian, he would use his best material more than once. All right, more than once, more than once. Any good preacher takes his good sermons on the road. And uh, in this instance, in, in Matthew's account of this, in Matthew chapter 12, the context of this is the most religious people are coming to Jesus and they're using their tongue like a sword. They're slandering him. They're actually saying that Jesus, that the the miracles he's been doing are really the works of the devil and that he's the prince of demons. That's a bad thing to say to the Son of God. But they're saying that to Jesus. But the reason why they're saying it is simply because they have the wrong treasure. In Luke 11.39, it shows what the religious leaders, these were the most religious people on the planet, okay? You think a lot of evil's been done in the name of religion? Yeah, Jesus would completely agree with you. Luke eleven thirty nine 39 says this. Now you Pharisees make the, these were full-time religious adherents, professionals. You make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. See, they pretended like they loved God, but really they used God. They used God to get things from God. They used God to get power over people. They used God to acquire leverage and respect in the community. And they believed in God, but they didn't treasure God. And I want to ask you that this morning. It's one thing to believe in God's existence. But Jesus talking about treasure, he's, he's saying this, that if you want to have, have, a, have a life that flows with good words and you want grace and you want to be gracious, you can't just believe in God's existence question is, do you believe in God's significance? Do you believe in God's magnificence? See, you don't become a Christian by believing that God is. You become a Christian when you believe who God is. It's not simply that we have a higher power. It's that we believe that higher power is our highest good. Not that we just believe that God is there, but, the, but, but we believe that God's a rewarder of those who seek him. That, that God's character is good. What Martin Luther pointed out is this. You know, probably know the Ten Commandments. You can probably name a few at least. Is that... You always break the first commandment before you break the other nine. That you always break the first commandment before you break the other nine. Uh, the whole point of the commandments is, is the very first one. It, sa- it says that you've got to put God first. Why? Because he's the giver of everything else. You've got to put the inventor ahead of the inventions. You've got to put the giver ahead of the gifts. But Paul's whole point in Romans chapter 1 is this, that the problem with the human race isn't that we have good things or that we want bad things. The thing is that we've taken good things, we've turned them into ultimate things, and when you elevate the gift above the giver, you always abuse the gift. Check this out. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Let's leave that on the screen. Why do you think it is that people die constantly, chronically of stress-related illnesses in our country? Why do you think it is that people work to the point that they're dying because of their careers? Why do you think it is that girls starve themselves to death so that they can look beautiful? 
Why do you think it is that people turn to substances and, 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 turn, and turn to different things? It's because they're serving the created thing. They're taking good things and they're turning them into ultimate things and they're serving them. But here's the thing. Idols always break our hearts. They always let us down. When you elevate the gift above the giver, you abuse the gift. When you, when you love the invention more than the inventor, you ignore the instructions. <laughs> When you love the invention more than the inventor, you ignore his instructions. See, desires is not the problem. You might be here, you might have desires. And God made us with desires. You might have a desire to be famous. You might have a desire to be successful. You might have a desire to, to have a great career. You might have a desire for orgasm. You might have a desire for this. You might have a desire for that. And that's fine. But desire is not the problem. It's when desire becomes obsessive. It's when desire becomes oppressive. It's when desire becomes aggressive where you say, I will trample God and people. Nothing can stop me from having this. And when you do that, you become an idol worshiper. But the tragic thing with idols is that they always break our hearts. Maybe what you treasure, what gives you worth, what gives you significance, what gives you meaning in life is, is, is your career. It could be your job. It could be a romance. It could be a following. It could be any number of things. But here's the deal. The moment that gets into jeopardy, you have to attack people, and you have to protect it, and your self-worth is compromised, and you, and you, and you ride high one day, and you're low the next day because you're always, you're always up and down and left and right, and, and you're attacking people, and you're attacking yourself because you're not good enough, and you're using, a, you're using the sword of your tongue on yourself, stabbing yourself. It could be anything. But here's something else, too, is that the thing that you idolize today often becomes the thing that disappoints you tomorrow and that you demonize the day after that. The thing that you idolize today often is the thing that disappoints you tomorrow and the thing you demonize the day after that. Oh, you're my everything, baby. You're, you're, we're we're going to go to the moon. You're the best thing in the entire world. But then what? Five minutes later, you're like, you actually kind of suck. Maybe there's a better one out there. Oh, this job, this job is everything. Oh my gosh, I would give anything to have the job. And you get in the job, Ten minutes later, you're idolizing at one minute, you're demonizing at the next. Because the truth is, we were created. The only thing that can satisfy our hearts, the only thing that our hearts long for, St. Augustine said, our heart, you, you have formed us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in you. You can dump empires into your soul, and you'll never be satisfied. People have done it. People have dumped whole worlds into their souls, conquered nations, and it still was never enough, and they slept just as anxious as you do. But if you come into contact with the giver and you make him your center, he's a treasure that cannot be taken. He's a treasure that cannot be shaken. He's a treasure that's constant, that he's not going to judge you according to your works. He judges you according to his mercy. If you make him your treasure, you don't have to be high and low and high and low. You could be stable. That's what Jesus says here in Luke 6, 46, 49. Some of you probably remember it from the King's Code series. says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? That's kind of his way of saying, hey, you believe in my existence, but you don't believe in my magnificence. You don't believe in my significance. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood came, the torrent struck the house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. 
The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. See, this is immediately after Jesus is talking about treasure. He's saying, what are you building your life on? What's your sense of worth? What's your sense of security? What's, what's the foundation of your existence? When, you're my, when I'm your treasure, you won't tolerate me. You'll trust in me. And you'll do what I say. And, and, and he's saying, you're building this foundation. But when you find your value, your worth, your significance, your security, and anything else but God, you treasure something that can be taken away. It's just a matter of time till your mouth is filled with cursing. If you treasure something that can be taken away, the floods are going to rise, the waves are going to come. Maybe it's that economic downturn. Maybe it's that boyfriend or girlfriend bailing out of you. Maybe it's getting fired. It's just a matter of time till your mouth is filled with cursing. But if you treasure the giver over the gift, then you won't even be shaken. You won't be crushed when the gifts get taken away. You'll have security. You'll have value. Your mouth can be gushing with praise, gushing with joy. You can be like Job. You can still be sad because you love the gifts, but you can say, the Lord gave, the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's my treasure. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. The most People say religion or believing in God's impractical. It's actually the most practical thing in the universe because the floods are coming for all of you. And for me too. All right, now the next thing is this. The lack of words can be just as loud as the wrong words. The lack of words can be just as loud as the wrong words. Can we put verse 45 back up there again? I want a little audience participation, all right? We're talking about words and how like using your words is helpful. Let's get some words up in here. Everybody talk to me, all right? What does he say? He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth We need full participation, all right? And I'm going to tell you why in a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? It speaks. Want to know what it doesn't say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth stays. Out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart. No, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, if your heart's really full of grace, your mouth is going to be full of praise. If your heart is full of grace, your mouth will be full of praise. But if your mouth isn't full of praise, your heart's not full of grace. It's just the reality. And and, and I just want to tell you here that the lack of words can be just as loud as the wrong words. In other words, call your mom today. (laughs) Call her up. Because you're like, I've never said anything bad about my mom. I'd never do that. But if you don't say anything, that can cut just as deep as saying the wrong thing. And, and, and that's the reality, that the lack of words reveal just as much about you as the wrong words. Um, if you say nothing, it sends a message that the person means nothing. If you say nothing, it sends the message that the person means nothing. A.W. Tozer put it like this. He's talking about God here, but he says this. If you never mention the Lord in conversation with each other, is it not proof that you're not much concerned about him? If you never mention the Lord in conversation with each other, is it not proof that you're not much concerned with him? You can't claim to love God if you never talk about him. And you can't claim to love people if you never say anything loving. If you never express gratitude, you are ungrateful. (laughs) Like if you don't express gratitude, you're not a grateful person. It's just, it's not rocket science here. Our lack of words, and I know this from like, 
You know, you, 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 forget, to, you forget your anniversary. You, yeah, that sends a message. You know, you, you forget that. It sends a message. You don't tell somebody you love them. It sends a message. It, it gets the point across. Now, some people would say, well, I'm not an emotional person. You know, I, to, I told my wife I loved her on her wedding day. Isn't that enough? It's like, hey, bro, if you don't compliment your wife, the devil will find someone who will. He will, all right? Same thing goes for me, too. You know, you go, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reserved person. I'm just, I'm not into that all emotional excess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those same guys say, oh, you know, I'm, I just don't, I'm not a talkative person. I don't like to sing during church. You're not going to hear me being response. I, I just, yeah. You get used to that guy at Comic-Con decked out like head to toe, you know, wearing his Spock uniform or whatever. See the guy at the Seahawks game. See the girl talking about, you know, the latest fashion that's coming out. Oh, yeah, all of a sudden you're like live tweeting award shows. Oh, wow, you're very reserved all of a sudden. They'll hype the heck out of the latest Adidas sneaker that drops. You'll be talking about anything. Because if you get to the right topic, all of a sudden the dam breaks. And out of the abundance of the heart, you show what you treasure, the mouth speaks. But I had a little thing here, okay? Because I had a little interesting thing happen with my little boy. Okay, I was with my little boy, Lion, and he's the, he's the best. But he's up there with the awesome teachers at Reason Church. Can we give them a hand? How cool they are. So awesome. But uh, I'm with him the other day, and I go, hey, Lion, do you want to, like, pray, thank God before you go to bed? He goes, no, I don't want to talk about God. And I did what any good Christian parent would do. I, I disowned him on the spot. <laughs> disowned him. No, of course not. You know what I did? And I said, all right, that's okay, Lion, but can I tell you something? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what's something that you love? He's like, I love Transformers. I go, Lion, did you know God made the guy who made Transformers? He goes, huh? I go, what's something else you love? He goes, I love Power Rangers. Did you know God made the guy who made Power Rangers? He goes, oh, wow. I go, what's something else you love? He goes, I love Iron Man. Did you know God made the guy who made Iron Man? You know what? I couldn't get him to stop talking. In bed that night, he was thanking God for pizza and thanking God for cheetahs and thanking God for firefighters and thanking God just on and on. The list goes on. You need to realize the thing that you love more than God is a gift from God. But here's the deal. Comic-Con will not sustain you in the cancer ward. And, and, and the Seahawks won't keep you going when your marriage is splitting apart. If you put anything else as your identity, it's a spouse, it's a relationship, it will not keep you going. It won't have your mouth speaking forth praise. It'll be this insecure, fragile treasure that you have to constantly protect. But if you make God your treasure, he'll protect you. You'll be fortified against the hurricanes, fortified against the storms. The floods will rise, the rains will fall, but your house will stand because your treasure is made, is built on the one who built everything. And he loves you by grace, but every other identity, every other treasure, every other sense of of worth, it's based on your performance. Jesus is the only treasure that gives you a sense of worth regardless of how you're doing amazing all right uh you know but this whole concept like that the whole concept that the lack of words can be just as loud as the wrong words it's just so true i mean it's true in your marriage it's true with your friends it's true in your job 
I, I challenge you, I, I, I encourage you, go to your boss this week and tell him thank you that you get to work for him. <laughs> You're like, I would never do that. Why would I do that? Hey, you would do it the day you got hired and you'd complain about it if he fired you. So why don't you go speak some words to him? You know, and you might be like, well, I am thankful. I just have this very overall sense of thankfulness in my heart for my whole existence. If you don't let it show, no one will ever know. If you don't express it, it's as if it didn't exist. If you don't let it show, it can never grow. If you don't speak it, it will never spread. You have to let it, let it out. I mean, I mean, it's like Easter eggs. You don't know what's inside of them unless you crack them. You've got to tell some people. You've got to show some people what's inside of you. Show that appreciation, and you'll see that that appreciation starts to spread. And that, 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 those good vibes, that, that love, it'll grow. I'd say that about the church too, you know. And, and I'm, I'm talking to the people who call this church home church. If you're a guest, I'm just pumped that you're here. But if you call this church your home church, but you never post about it, and you never talk to anybody about it, and you never invite anybody to it, that sends a message. And you're like, well, I'm here, aren't I? Yeah, but is your heart here? Is your heart here? It makes no sense to be a part of something part way. Oh, I'm just going to come enough so it can remain mediocre. Like, why be a part of it at all? All in or not at all. That's what I say. And you may be like, I don't really feel like it. I don't feel like it, though. But here's the deal. What did we learn from neurology and from the Bible? We learned this, that the synapses that you fire are the synapses that you wire. In other words, the more you do something, the easier it becomes to do it. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes to do it. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes to do it. That the thoughts that you voice, that's why I like responsive audience, the thoughts that you voice have influence over you and those around you. Neurology teaches that. The synapses that you fire are the synapses that you wire. There's a neurologist who wrote a book called Words Change Your Brain. Words change your brain. That when you say words, it actually changes your neurology. Hey, you know, the Bible had something to say about that a long time ago. The super smart dude who didn't know anything about neuroscience, but he knew God, the one who made our brains. He said this, Psalm 1125, the soul who waters will be watered himself. You don't feel like posting. You don't feel like talking about Jesus. You don't feel like complimenting somebody. You don't feel like encouraging somebody. Do it. And you'll start to feel like it. Do it by faith and the feelings will follow. Do it by faith and the feelings will follow. Do it by faith and the feelings will follow. So the waters will be watered himself. You might be here and you may think, I don't really say much of anything to anyone. You know, I don't talk to anybody. Um, I just, I, I can't really say anything. Hey, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That says something about what's in your heart too. What does it say your heart's full of? Self-consciousness, self-hate, self-loathing, insecurity, sadness. You know what the essence of sin is? You, you sit here and you, you say to yourself, yeah, okay, God loves me, but I don't love myself. I hear people say, oh, God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. You know what the essence of sin is? Bible says everywhere the essence of sin is to put your throne above God's throne. And what we're all doing when we do that is we're saying, my verdict on myself carries more weight than his verdict. My opinion of myself, other people's opinion of myself, 
carries more weight than God's opinion of myself. But the word, Greek word for confess, it's homologeo, it's a court word. It actually means to say the same thing. And when you confess Jesus as Lord, why know what you need to do? You need to keep confessing as Lord. You need to keep saying the same thing. You need to keep saying the same thing. You need to keep saying the same thing. You need to say, I am loved by God. I am called by God. I'm chosen by God. I have a purpose from God. I have a reason to live for. He made me for something. I've got something inside of me. And when you fill your heart with praise, your mouth will start to flow with grace. And I've seen people at this church who were cowardly, timid, shy, afraid people. But as they start making Jesus their treasure and speaking his word over them, they start speaking words of love to other people. Man, some good stuff right there. The, you know, one of the weird parts about being a pastor, it's honestly a privilege, but I, it's weird in the sense that not everybody gets to do it. Not weird in the bad sense. I actually count it like one of the greatest privileges to do this, but it is unusual, is that I get to be there for people in their hardest moments. I officiate funerals. I, I'm there... And I watch the way families interact and moms and daughters and, 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 and brothers and sisters, the way they interact when somebody's died. And I've sat there through many a eulogy. And it's interesting. The word eulogy actually means to praise, to speak highly of someone. But I had a thought. My thought's this. You'll be a lot better off eulogizing people while they're alive rather than when they're dead. And and what we should do is we should just build a culture where nobody ever has to wonder about their standing with us because we always make it clear, you stand under grace, you stand under grace, I love you, I appreciate you, I value you, you matter to me, I forgive you because Jesus forgave me. Why don't you eulogize people while they're alive instead of eulogizing people once they're dead? The world would be a lot better if we live like that. Eulogize them today. Eulogize them every day. Speak beautiful things. Your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother. If we always speak words of life, no one will ever have to be in doubt about where they stand with us. There's nothing worse than being in a circle of friends where you're like, do they even want me here? Do they, do they like me here? Let's build a kind of culture. Let's be the kinds of people. And you're like, well, they don't say nice things to me. Hey, here's the deal. When you change your treasure, you become a leader. You'd be the first one. You'd be the first one to speak words of life in your marriage. You'd be the first one to speak words of life in your friend group. First one to speak words of life in your small group. Because Jesus is the ultimate leader. He loved us while we were yet sinners. And so we can love others while they're the yet sinners. Let's follow the leader. Simon says, boys and girls. All right. Final thing is this. Treasure God's word and it will change your heart. Reality is, none of us have hearts of gold in and of themselves. None of us do. You're like, that's very offensive. You should have bent my great aunt Betsy, you know. She was a heart of gold. The reality is, none of us have hearts of gold. I wonder how I know this. If I looked at your transcript, or if you looked at mine, we don't even live by the advice we give other people. You should never do that. Oh, my gosh, that's ridiculous. How could he do? And like, you know, it's like, yeah, 10 minutes later, down the transcript, you're doing the exact same thing. Forget the Ten Commandments. You're like, I don't believe the Ten Commandments. We don't even live up to our own moral codes. You don't even live up to your own moral code. 
None of us do. None of us have hearts of gold. But you know what the thing about Jesus? He got that Midas touch. Jesus got the Midas touch, man. You let him into your heart, he'll change your heart. There was a passage, you should, you should get this one inside of you, get it on a lockdown. Psalm 19, 10 to 14 says this. This was written by David. What was David known as? David was known as the man after God's own. Says He's talking about God's word here. He's talking about God's law. He says this. They're more desirable than gold. Everybody say gold. Even the finest gold. They're sweeter than honey. Even honey dripping from the comb. By them your servant is warned. And great reward to those who obey them. How can I know all the sins that are lurking in my heart? Man, think about that. I don't even know what's in my heart. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me. From these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Let them not control me. Then I'll be free of guilt, innocent of great sin. May everybody say this together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I don't read the Bible every day because I'm a pastor. I read the Bible every day because I'm a sinner, and I know I need it, and I know that if I'm not in God's Word, I'm going to blow my life up. I'm going to blow everything up. I started reading the Bible every day way before I was a pastor. I started reading the Bible every day just because I, like, I saw how insane this world is, and I had been a victim of injustice, and I'd seen so much evil, and I just went, man, God, I need you. I need your Word. And, and, and David, he's so cool. He doesn't just see God's existence. He sees God's magnificence. He sees how good God is. Because when, when you water, you water yourself. The more you do something, the synapses that you fire are the synapses that you wire. The more you do it, the more you're going to start to love it. But I read God's word every day because I know I need it. And if you want to change your word, get into his word. If you're saying things you regret, if you got things in your transcript you want redacted, hey, start getting into his transcript. Start getting into things that he said. I, I'd encourage you to memorize scripture. You're like, I don't got time for that. Are you kidding me? I don't have time to memorize scripture. No, 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 no. I know you. You memorize rap songs. People memorize like whole mathematical formulas. They memorize medical terminology. You mean people who can like quote entire movies, every line of Monty Python and the Holy Grail? You're capable of memorizing. David said this. He said, how can a young person clean up his act? How can he clean up his way? He said, by taking heed according to your word. Your word I've desired. I've desired it greater than anything. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God, my rock. Let's put that on the screen one more time. And my redeemer. If you make anything else your treasure, your words are going to be full of insecurity. Your words are going to be full of fragility because your treasure can always be taken away. Somebody's got more treasure than you. Somebody's got more of this. Somebody's got more than that. More worth. You're going to be up and down, high and low, all over the map. One day you're nice and sweet. The other day you're brutal. One day you're awesome. The next day you're savage. That's what is going to happen. But here's the deal. If you make God your treasure and you hide his word in your heart, 
what he'll be? He'll be your rock. You'll be stable. You'll be reliable. You'll be dependable. You'll be somebody people can count on. I just know every time I go to them, they're going to have good wisdom. Every time I go to them, they're going to have good, good words, encouragement, love, kindness, grace, advice. But he's not just our rock. What is he? He's our redeemer. He's our redeemer. And I meet a lot of people who go, all right, I believe in a God of love. All right, I love that God. But I don't want to talk about that sin. Don't you talk to me about that sin stuff. But here's the deal. If God's only a God of love, but he's not a God of justice, how do you know that he loves you? Well, what did it cost him to love you? Oh, he's just mushy and he just loves everybody and it's good. Hey, if, Jesus, if God's a God of justice and a God of love, that means that he paid a price for you. This mushy sentimental love, it won't change your heart. This mushy sentimental love won't change your treasure. But if God paid a price for you, If Jesus loved you so much that he took God's justice so you could have God's grace. When that gets in your core, it changes your core into sweetness. It changes you into into love. It changes you into, into greatness. Because God doesn't simply tolerate you. God treasures you. And when we were half-hearted, when we were faint-hearted, he loved us wholeheartedly. When we were using God for the things that he could give us, he loved us and gave himself for us. And when you take that into the center of your life, that's a love that will never let you down. Would you stand and sing this with me?